Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes o'reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh 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 o'reilly auto parts oh what have you done now Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast. I am your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and I know, shocker, surprise. What's going on? Are we living in an alternate timeline? No, we're not. I am actually, right now, in my brand, I call it my brand new Ford F-150, but it's a pre-owned, but I just got it, so it's brand new to me. I'm in my 2012 silver Ford F-150 that I affectionately call Elvis because he's the king of the road, brother. And uh, I have my Zoom H4N handy recorder. I got my Sure SM58 microphone attached to it. I'm on the roads here in Houston during Super Bowl week. And I said, you know what? Screw it. Podcast is still on. I might have limited amount of time. I might be working full time. And that's 24-7. But I can't leave the pinheads. I cannot. I know I put out something a couple weeks ago when I had the flu. I think I was just feeling down, feeling like I couldn't do it anymore. But guess what? Started this podcast. Did it by myself in my spare time. And if, hell, if my spare time's driving around the mean streets of Houston, Texas, and Elvis... And this is the only way I can get it done. This is the way we're going to get it done, son. So I'm on my way in to my office to get some work done. But I said, let's talk about Back to the Future a little bit. Let's talk about Back to the Future Part 3. Because when I was a kid, there was a blockbuster video. It's funny. Right now, I'm driving down 2351, which is a street here in Friendswood, Texas, 2351 and Beamer, and you'd take a left down Beamer when I was a kid off this road, and you'd go down to Blockbuster Video. Blockbuster Video, and I'm sure I've said it on this show before, is where I discovered Back to the Future. So I'm at Blockbuster Video, I'm looking around, I see this movie, what is it, Back to the Future? Well, that sounds cool. So I remember, boom, we're at Back to the Future Part 1. Amazing. It ends with the to be continued. Oh, you're killing me, Smalls, right? So I go back, boom, drive back. I begged my mother that day, please, 
please, please, please, please, please take me back so I can get back to the future part two. Didn't even know there was a part three until I got back to Blockbuster, returned back to the future part one, and then I saw two and three. And, you know, back then, written a video, I mean, it was a lot. If we have any younger listeners out there and the older ones can can get with me on this, renting a video was a lot. At Blockbuster, if it was a two-day release, had the red cover on it, oh, man, you better not be late. If you're late, you're screwed. You're paying out the wazoo. If you're late on returning the movie, I mean, it's I forgot what the fines were, but, you know, you could rack up a pretty hefty fine at Blockbuster. So renting more than one movie at a time, was seen as out of out of your mind for my mother and, and for me. I knew what I was asking was a big deal. I mean, the rentals are probably like five bucks a piece. And then if you bring them back after the five days, if you forget to rewind, boom, extra charge. Rewind. How many people remember rewinding the video? You know, be kind, rewind. Please rewind our video or whatever it was. I remember, man. So getting this was a big deal. So I get back to the future part two, watch it, love it. We've talked about it on this podcast last season. Amazing. Then I pop in back to the future part three. Now, let me preface the statement by saying I'm not a, I am not, and I've never been a big fan of Westerns. My father, born in Waco, Texas, 1945, loves Westerns. My grandfather, L.V. Hughes, born in Damon, Texas in 1919, he loved Westerns, Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, that was his stuff. So for me, I was never a big Western guy. So when I pop in Back to the Future Part 3 and I realize it's a Western, which you actually realize from the end of the second movie, 1885, right? You realize, okay, there's going to be a different movie. And in many aspects, all three movies are exactly the same in just different settings. But... You, had a, you knew this was different because we weren't in present day, you know, where we have all the modern technology that we had. We weren't in future day, which I guess is now present day, where we had all the amazing technology that we would come to have. No, 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 no. Where we were was in 1885. No technology. So it had a different feel to it, right? Hill Valley wasn't a, a town yet, which we'll get to, but had a different feel to it. So anyway, I pop in Back to the Future Part 3, and it leaves immediately where the second one left off. And you got to give the editors credit, and you got to give the story writers credit, Bob Gale, Bob Zemeckis too, of coming up with this idea, because I'd love it. They'd show Marty, I'm about to go back to the future from Part 1. He's sitting there, you know, DeLorean's cranked up, Hill Valley Lightning Storm's up there, it's going strong, Doc Brown... It's about to, it's about to do the, uh, what is that called? Not hang gliding. Oh man, what is that called? Where you're on the zip line. He's about to zip line down from the clock tower, land by that tree, plug in the other plug so that the connection can go all the way through. The current goes all the way through from the cord down that, down the down the cord between the two street lamps, and boom, into the DeLorean. And uh, it's about to happen. Marty goes, boom, hits it right exactly the right time. What was it, at 8.08? You know, something like that? 8.08 p.m.? November the 12th, 1955. And boom, 
He goes back to the future, going straight at the uh, the old theater there. Makes the turn. Boom. The fire trails are there. Duck. Great Scott. He's happy. He's successful. It works. He got Marty back where he's supposed to go. Although, let's back up a second. He assumes that's what he did. But what if he incinerated Marty? Have we ever thought of this? You know, Marty thinks when Doc sends Einstein back in the first movie or into the future, whichever one, and he sees the fire trails, he thinks that, Doc, you incinerated Einstein, right? I don't know why Doc's first instinct was, oh, I sent him back to the future. Because Doc never saw the time machine actually work before. All he had ever done is invent the flux capacitor. Capacitor. He doesn't know what time travel looks like. Not like Doc in 1985. And nor does he have the memories of the Doc in 1985. We know that from the first movie. I know I'm on a tangent, but how does he know? How does he know he didn't blow, blow him up? Just saying. Anyway. He's excited. He's ecstatic. He starts walking to his car. Trying to get into his vehicle to go back to the Brown Mansion. Or the Von Braun Mansion, as we come to find out. And as he's getting ready to, you see someone, boom, right side of your screen. Takes a left, middle of the fire trails. He's dressed inconspicuous. Black fedora hat, black leather jacket, red t-shirt, blue jeans, Nikes. He says, Doc, 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 it's me, it's me, it's Marty. What? No, it can't be. I just sent you back to the future. I know you did, Doc, I know you did. But I'm back. I'm back from the future. Bum, 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 bum. Great Scott. Boom, and the movie closes, right? And that's how this movie opens. And then we see the opening credits go by. And we see the the exterior, which I'm not sure if it, I guess it was a real house. No, it was a real house. Real house, mansion-looking thing, really cool 1950s-looking house. I love it. And we see Doc. We see him. We see his house. Camera panning by, very akin to the opening of the first movie. We're seeing Doc's house. See the cat eye clock or whatever, and then you see the TV. Come on. It's howdy duty time. And then Doc wakes up. Howdy duty time. You know? And he trips over the hoverboard, which I always thought was a cool little thing. The hoverboard was still there. Trips over the hoverboard. Or no, he doesn't trip over the hoverboard yet. Sorry, guys. I'm doing this from memory. Complete memory. So anyway, he wakes up. He grabs his recorder. And he starts recounting last night's events. He's saying when the lightning struck the DeLorean at approximately 8.08 p.m. Lightning went through the flux capacitor, sending Marty, giving the 1.21 gigawatts needed to send Marty back to the future. Weird. After it went off, I have a vision of Marty saying that he had come back from the future. Obviously, I went into some sort of shock, you know. And then he turns around and, you know, and, and Doc, you know, Marty's right there. He goes, hey, Doc, we got a da-da-da-da-da, whatever he says. And Doc goes, <gasps> and that's when he trips over the uh, hoverboard, lands on the piano, and he goes over, Marty goes over again, reassures Doc, I'm back, I'm back from the future. And then Doc goes in the bathroom, he's freaking out, and, and then he comes back out, and he has this real sinister look on his face. His hair's kind of parted down the middle on both sides. You can tell he's flustered. But he's thought about it. 
He had enough time in that bathroom after freaking out to think about it. And then he says, tell me this, future boy. If the me, if me, in, the, if the me in the future is now in the past, how could you possibly know about it? Right? And Marty goes, because you sent me a letter. And then it's got the great, you know, comedic shot of the, uh, the microscope, you know, magnifying glass, rather, uh, in front of Doc's face where his mouth is all big and he's reading the letter. And he's talking about how the DeLorean sent him back, you know, the time circuit sent him back into September of 1885. But he's made a good life for himself living in the Old West. He's become a blacksmith in town. You know, Marty, uh, I've attached the attached schematics, you know, show how to repair the DeLorean. I repeat, though, do not come back to rescue me. I want to finish out my days, I'm paraphrasing, in 1885. And then, you know, when you think about it, it's really a cool life. You saw 1885 to 2015. You saw three different centuries, right? 19th, 20th, and 21st. You saw them all. I mean, you saw you were at least around for parts of them all, right? 15 years in the 1800s, you know, theoretically. 15 years in the 21st century. And you saw 85 years of history in the 80s. And, you know, obviously he wasn't born in 1900. But, you know, go with me here. It's kind of a cool thing. You saw what the future will bring. You know what the present was. What would it be like to live in the past? But for me, here's another thing I always thought about. When they went to the future in the second movie, Doc was very worried about changing events, right? Except for changing Marty's family but you know if you change something if you bring something back from the future it can change everything right which is what we saw happen with the almanac so Doc also in the first movie who's so cautious about not interacting with your parents you don't want to interrupt when they first meet therefore you'll never be born blah 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 right he was always very worried about it so to me, I always thought about when I, was, when I was watching these movies, why would Doc be so cool with staying in the Old West? Doc, better than anybody, knows the consequences of time travel. Doc knows that if he were to interact with somebody or, say, even, you know, trip up somebody, get into a fist fight with somebody, get, uh, you know, interrupt somebody meeting, interrupt a woman falling into a ravine, he, of all people, should know. That's not okay. That can have major consequences on the future, even the most insignificant events. So I always thought, like, why was this okay for Doc? Like, why was he okay with staying back in the past? Doesn't really make sense to his character. But as we come to find out in this film, and we'll delve into it over the course of this podcast and I'm sure subsequent parts, is that Doc and Marty in this movie completely switch places. But we'll get into it. So anyway, they say, okay, cool. Old West, that's where, you know, 1955 Doc ends up after seeing 85 in 2015. He's cool with it. 85 Doc is cool with it. We as the audience should say, all right, awesome. At this point, we don't have any reason for Murray to go back to the past. We don't know of any reason, right? All we know is that Doc's in the past, and he wants to stay there. But he gave Marty 
schematics of how to fix the time machine with 1955 parts. And he can get back to 1985, be with Jennifer, who I wish it was Claudia Wells, still. Hotter one. I digress. We can go back with Jennifer Parker, his mom and dad, brother and sister, and be cool, you know? So they find that the DeLorean was buried in an abandoned mine shaft, and Doc and Marty pull up to this mine shaft. There's a little graveyard in front of it. Camera doesn't pay too much. You know, it doesn't get too much camera service. But anyway, they go into the mines, and they find, uh, you know, uh, Doc gives Marty a camera. Here's a camera. Document everything. So, okay, cool. He wants to document it. Fine. I love, though, this scene. This scene's one of my favorite in the movie. Just because it's, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the adventure films, obviously. But, like, I even like movies. You know, I like Indiana Jones. I like, you know, The Da Vinci Code. I like, you know, National Treasure. I even like the really cheesy TV movies, The Librarian which now is a spinoff show in its third season on TNT with Rebecca Romaine. You know, Flynn Carson, obviously, the librarian. I like those kind of things, right? I like The Phantom, the Skulls of Tuganda, right? I like these kind of movies. And for some reason, this one, I think, has the most kind of adventure, archaeology feel to it in a way when you think about it. Because here you got, you know, Doc... The DeLorean, this future artifact, is buried in an abandoned mine shaft in the late 1800s. Now, Marty and 1955 Doc have to go back and recover. It's just a cool idea, you know. It's very, in my opinion, Indiana Jones. And you have the Spielberg connection, so you could see it happening, right? You could see my connections here. So they're walking through the mine shaft, and they see... They see, um, you know, this kind of boarded-up you know, kind of, I guess, shaft with rocks all by it that says ELB and it has an arrow pointing down. Obviously, ELB is Dr., you know, stands for Emmett L. Brown. Dr. Emmett L. Brown. And uh, Doc says, oh, man, just like a journey to the center of the earth. It's my initials, you know. And that was, the, uh, that was a nice little story point right there. It's a character development for Doc because we know Doc now loves Jules Verne. Jules Verne, obviously a prolific writer, 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Journey to the Center of the Earth, um, Around the World in 80 Days, you know, these are off the top of the head, but, you know, classics, literary classics that you're required to read and all kinds of stuff. Um, so we know that he loves Jules Verne, Jules Verne science, science fiction, but mainstream science fiction, right? Not like, uh, not like H.G. Wells who was very like, yeah, this is cool and all, but it could never happen. Um, this is very, uh, Jules Verne was very like science fiction and wouldn't this be cool if this was real, right? And I think that's the, um, I really think that's the mind of, it, an invent, of an inventor. Because when you think about it, anything that's ever been invented was like, yeah, I know this probably isn't possible, but wouldn't it be cool if it was real? Go back to you know Henry Ford in the automobile. Go to Graham Bell in the in the telephone. The inventors always had this idea of, wouldn't this be cool if? But I know it's probably not possible. But that drives them. It motivates them. You know, you go to the Steve Jobs of the world, the Bill Gates of the world. Um, 
all kinds of stuff. The people who yeah, – that, that's always been something that fascinates me. Like when you think of the telephone, Graham, Alexander Graham Bell was sitting there, and he's like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could pick up a device, right? Pick up a device, dial a couple of numbers, or not even dial, push a couple numbers, right? And, the, and this device would have a counterpart somewhere out there based upon the numbers that I put in. And that other person could pick it up, this device, and we could hear each other from a long distance. It's like a tin can telephone on steroids. Wouldn't it be cool? And uh, anyway, I've always been fascinated by the guys like that who think like that. And then they do it from scraps. No blueprints, no nothing, no precedents really. And they, they make it happen. I mean, I've always found them to be some of the most prolific minds in the world to be able to take something, you know, from, you know, create something from nothing. Just amazing, amazing, amazing. So it makes sense that Doc likes Jules Verne because Jules Verne had this scientific idea that, yes, everything is, you know, this isn't real, at least right now, but wouldn't it be cool if it was? So they break into the mine shaft, pickaxe and all. Marty takes a picture of it to remind us that Marty's taking pictures, documenting the whole event. Breaks down the, uh, the barrier, the, the rock barrier in the shaft, and there it is. Bum, 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 bum. We see the DeLorean. DeLorean from the 50s, right? Oh, no, this isn't the DeLorean from the 50s. This is DeLorean from the 1880s. So it's got the tires wrapped up. It's got the full body wrap. I mean, it looks like it's been there for a minute. And the stainless steel body held up, brother. No rusting going on there. And it was just an amazing sight. And I think that's where, like, the Indiana Jones, National Treasure, Librarian, Phantom Feel comes for me. It's just this old abandoned artifact all wrapped up. Looks like the mummy. You know, looks like a mummy. It's been mummified. And it's just sitting there in pristine condition, unbothered. Think of all the things that could happen in, what, 70, 80 years, right? Think of all the things that could happen. 70 years. No earthquake, because they are in California. No earthquakes cave in this shaft. You know, nothing like that. Doc had a, a big, you know, Doc in 1885, putting that DeLorean there, was crossing his fingers and praying to whomever his Lord and Savior is and saying, I hope to good God nothing happens. No natural disasters. No one else happens to wander in this mine shaft looking for maybe gold, which is what they were doing in California at the time anyway, gold rush. He was like, no one's going to touch this for 70 years, and it's going to have everything still there that it needs. It's gonna, Marty's going to be able to get to it. I mean, one earthquake happens, and that shaft comes crumbling down, one big earthquake. Marty's stuck in 55. So Doc had a lot of faith in nature for it to be undisturbed for 70 years. But it's sitting there. It's looking beautiful. It's incredible. And they start talking about, you know, how to fix it. And Doc, you know, I love this 1955, Doc goes, well, here's the problem. It says, made in Japan. And Marty just goes, you know, 
Doc, what are you talking about? All the best stuff is made in Japan. And Doc can't believe it. And you know what? Why should he? Ten years prior, we had just ended World War II, right? We had just ended World War II where the Japanese were our enemy, along with several others, right? But the Japanese were our enemy. They bombed Pearl Harbor. I mean, it was probably asinine to think 40 years later, all of our best stuff, as Marty puts it, was made in Japan, our electronics, our televisions, our car parts, whatever, all made in Japan. So I love the social commentary of it. I really, really love that social commentary of Doc just being perplexed. First, first, okay, first you tell me Ronald Reagan is the president of the United States, and now you tell me all the best stuff is made in Japan? It's nuts. It's like being told in 2017 that Donald Trump would be the president of the United States in 1985. Kind of nuts. Anyway. So they start trying to fix the DeLorean and then you know, looking at it all and they say, okay, I guess they say, okay, let's pack up, go home, let's fix this thing and we'll get you back to the future tomorrow or whenever. And then when they're, when they're leaving, Marty tries to find Einstein. He said, come on, Einie, here, boy, right? Einstein's parked in front of a grave. Or this isn't Einstein, it's Copernicus. I'm sorry, I misspoke. I'm trying to find Copernicus. And he finds Copernicus standing in front of a grave. And I always love this shot because he's standing right there. Copernicus like has his paw on the, on the tombstone, sets it down. And Marty kind of goes and looks like, like anyone would. You just kind of glance at, at whatever he was looking at. Real quick, it's a tombstone. You just look at it. I think human proclivity has you wanting to look at it. You just want to – you have this itch. You have this want this curiosity that drives us all. You just happen to glance at it. It's like when you see someone getting in a wreck on the side of the freeway. You just want to glance. You just want to see what's going on. So he glances at the tombstone, doesn't think twice about it, and then he realizes, Doc! Right? He realizes it's Doc's tombstone. And it says, Here lies Emmett Brown, shot in the back by Buford Tannen, over a matter of $80. And, you know, something about his beloved Clara was in there as well. And then Doc turns to Marty, says, what kind of future do you call that? And then Marty comes to the realization that Doc, once you get the time circuits ready and the DeLorean primed and ready, I'm going back to 1885 and I'm bringing you home. And there we are, ladies and gentlemen. That's where this adventure, 1885, officially starts. And that's where this podcast officially closes. Part one. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to go into more minutia. I'm driving. I'm on 59 here in Houston, Texas. Super Bowl weekend. Atlanta Falcons. New England Patriots. Going at it. I got Tom Brady winning that game. But anyway. But you know, since I said that, that means the Falcons are going to win. Since I said that, I'm hoping that the Patriots are going to win. Anyway. I'm going to try to be back here same time next week. Maybe I'll be driving. Hitting potholes in this beautiful city. That hopefully 
2019 Mayor Booker T will repair. But I'm heading in to my office, guys, where I'm actually meeting up with my friend of the show, broadcast partner from Reality of Wrestling. Going to be meeting up with Matt Topolsky. Who uh, we're gonna? I think we're gonna drop a new Yodem as well. A new European doesn't matter podcast. He uh, he's fired up about something. I think he wants to drop a pipe bomb. And I got to talk about any wrestling fans listening to this. I got to talk about the Royal Rumble. I went to the Royal Rumble in San Antonio, Texas. I was backstage hanging out all night. Then I went into the crowd, um, great seats, first row, to go check out John Cena, AJ Styles, and the Royal Rumble match. Got a lot of stories to tell. So I'll probably tell them on Yodem. But until then, my name is Brad Gilmore. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope to come back with more of this podcast. I'm your friend in time, and I will see you in the future. <laughs>